The best piece of advice that I ever got about social media is to be the same person online that you are in real life. And I think that in the culture we live in now, where Instagram is this like incredibly curated feed with really <laughs> filtered and unrealistic photos, I think that that piece of advice is really valuable. And if I could give my daughters and the next generation a piece of a social media advice, it would be to be the same person in real life that you are on social media. Okay, guys, we have an absolutely spectacular guest on Martinis and Bikinis today. Dr. Anita Kulkarni is an award-winning, board-certified female plastic surgeon in Washington, D.C. Dr. Kulkarni has a special interest in post-pregnancy body contouring, Botox, fillers, and enhancing women's natural beauty. She's been ranked among D.C.'s best plastic surgeons multiple years in a row, and she founded D.C. Plastic Surgery Boutique to bring to life her vision of creating an aesthetic practice for women by women. When Dr. Kulkarni isn't working with her loyal patients, she is traveling all over the world and spending time with her husband and two little girls. You need to follow her on Instagram and check out her latest trip to Australia because it looked absolutely amazing. If you've seen my Rich Mom Day TikToks, you know most of those videos consist of me in Dr. Kulkarni's office because you just feel absolutely fabulous from the moment you step into her office. So if you haven't seen those videos, make sure to go check them out. I've literally had friends fly in from all over the country to visit her practice. In this episode, we are tackling Botox, fillers, procedures, and even some tough conversations like misconceptions or stigmas when it comes to plastic surgery and beauty enhancements, and also social media and how it is creating an epidemic for comparison and unrealistic beauty standards. So, Martinis and Bikinis listeners, please welcome Dr. Anita Kulkarni to Martinis and Bikinis. And welcome to Martinis and Bikinis, the podcast for everything under the sun, designed to give you the inside scoop and industry secrets into entrepreneurship, lifestyle, fashion, health and beauty, and navigating your 20s. Meet your hostess, Veronica Drulia, swim designer, serial entrepreneur, lifestyle content creator, and now podcast host, as she dives into spicy topics like dating, inner confidence, and becoming the best version of you. Now, let's dive into today's episode. I remember moving to DC, and I was looking for somebody to work with on, you know, getting Botox for the first time, and fillers, and things like that. And I came across your account, so you're also like a social media star. (laughs) And No, you are. I think that really stood out to me, you know? And I guess I always wonder about doctors and why they chose to go the path that they did, so. Yeah, so I've been in practice for about 10 years. And for the first five years of my practice, I was with a group in Bethesda. And it was two men and two women. And it was a great first practice to be a part of, great group of surgeons. But in my mind, I always thought that I needed and wanted to design the kind of practice that I as a patient would want to go to. And as a woman and as a mom, I always thought that a for women by women practice would be where I would land if I was a patient. And so in the back of my mind, I always had this idea that I wanted to design something that I would want to be a part of. And for women by women just made a lot of sense with that. So when I decided to go out on my own and start my own practice, DC Plastic Surgery Boutique was sort of the culmination of that. And our tagline, as you know, is for women by women. 
And it's more than marketing. It's more than a tagline. You know, it is the philosophy of our entire practice. Our entire staff is women. Our space is designed to make women feel comfortable. The conversations that you have with me, I'm a plastic surgeon and I mostly do breast and belly surgery and injectables, as you know. The conversation you have with me is incredibly intimate. And, you know, there's so much shame around changes in your body and embracing beauty trends. And, you know, there's so much shame around being a woman who cares about aesthetics. And we try to sort of destigmatize that here. And the conversations that we have in my office are really honest. They give you a safe space where you can talk about the things that really bother you. And I can help you figure out if there's anything we can do to make you or get you to the best version of yourself. Yes. I love that because, you know, as a female entrepreneur, I think it's so important to like boast up the women in your community as well. So I love that you've basically made your whole business model like for women by women. And I do feel like so safe here. I always (laughs) tell people that. And it's because you really do have like an in-depth conversation with your clients before ever doing anything, uh, practicing on them. And I think that's so important because I think whenever you're getting like Botox or fillers or like having a surgery, like a procedure for the first time, like you're obviously nervous. Like I feel like anybody is nervous, but I remember the first time I walked in here and I just instantly felt like calm. Like <laughs> you guys should see their lobby. It's like pink. It's and all beautiful. the pink. It's all the pink. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. And then you like sat me down and I was actually getting liquid rhinoplasty for the first time. I had a very bad car accident my freshman year of high school. And you know, my nose was like never the same. And I still have like an ethnic Greek nose and I wanted to keep that. And I voiced that to you and you were like, oh yeah, girl, like we can definitely do anything that you want. You walked me through the whole process and I immediately was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think it's super cool that you're kind of known for your mommy makeovers. And I definitely want to talk more about that. So like, how did that kind of come to play? Like, why was that like your most like wanted service? Like, why is that what you became known for? I think it's a combination of technical expertise and interest. I think that I, so I have two little girls, they're seven and 10. And, you know, as a plastic surgeon, I always knew a lot about these kinds of surgeries, but it didn't become the focus of my life until I went through it myself. And I think that that's, you know, there's this joke in social sciences where a lot of the research you end up doing is me search because you're trying to figure out things for yourself. And when I went through it as a, you know, when I went through my own pregnancies and I was done being pregnant and I looked at myself in the mirror and the person looking back at me just didn't look like myself. And when you're pregnant, especially if you have more than one kid, there are so many years where your body is just not your own. You know, you're, you're pregnant and you're breastfeeding and you've completely given your body over to your babies. And then you finish. And sometimes when you finish, you know, you're looking at yourself and thinking like, well, this just it doesn't feel like me anymore. So I think when it happened to me, I became much more personally invested in the process. And now it's pretty much all I do from a surgical perspective is mommy surgery. And it is just incredibly gratifying for me because I've been there and I know how different patients walk when they come into my office the first time. And then when they come in after surgery and the amount of confidence it gives them back and the way that they're able to kind of reclaim body and self after having given over their body to pregnancy and and motherhood for so many years. And I'm a huge believer that just because you become a mother doesn't mean you stop being yourself. It doesn't mean that you stop being a woman. It doesn't mean that you stop caring about the things that you cared about before. 
And I do think that there is a little bit of narrative in society that tells mothers that once you embrace motherhood, you have to release all of these other parts of yourself. And I think that that's just really unfair to women. And I think that if I have the opportunity to reverse that process for somebody, then that's a huge gift that I can you know, embrace. I absolutely love that. And I think whenever you mentioned earlier, like destigmatizing, like, you know, beauty enhancements and procedures and things like that. I mean, we have the technology, like how cool is that, you know? And I think it's so important that if it makes you feel more confident and you can go out into the world and just feel better and feel inspired and empowered from it, instead of like, listening to all the voices of people saying, oh, like, if you get this done, like, you must be insecure, you know? I don't think it's like that at all. I think these are our bodies. We live in it. Our souls live in it for the rest of our lives. And if there are changes that we want to make and we think long and hard about it, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that personally. Definitely. And I, I think one of the things that we do really well here at my practice is we only want to make you the best version of yourself. We're not trying to turn you into anybody else. And we generally don't make suggestions. <laughs> what yeah, that's good because there are people that do it. I've been there and it's just so awful. But I sat down in this chair for a consultation and I was being told like all these things I needed to change about myself and it got in my head. And that's whenever I came here and was like, hey, Dr. Colcarty, like Nurse Liz, like, can I get this done? And she looked at me, Nurse Liz, and she was like, wait, you don't need that done at all. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so I think yeah. people can really get in your head yes. in this industry. So I really respect that you women are catering to your clients. Like you have a relationship with them. You're not just trying to like make an extra dollar, you know? I think that's really important. And I think we built our business on the values that we hold most dear. And that is much more important to us. Our values and our integrity is far more important to us than making an extra dollar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's really easy to fall into the trap in the field that we're in, in the aesthetic field of sort of preying on people's insecurities and exploiting people's insecurities. And we really don't do that here. And I, it gives me almost like a visceral reaction when, um, when I hear that that's happened. For us, it's really about the relationship and figuring out exactly what it is that that patient wants or needs and whether or not there's something we can do to help them achieve that. Because sometimes somebody will come in and they'll ask for something or they'll want something and I'll know that it's not achievable. I'll know that it's not surgically or non-surgically achievable. And I will tell you that because it doesn't do either of us any good if I promise you something that I can't deliver and then you come back unhappy. You know, that's not the way to build a practice and build trust. And I actually had that experience with you. I started getting liquid rhinoplasty. And for those of you that don't know what that is, I don't know if you would want to explain that a little bit more in depth. Sure. I'm probably horrible with all the like medical jargon yeah, yeah. like that. So, so it's, it's pretty straightforward. So for people that want small changes to the nose, you can add filler in strategic points and it can camouflage a dorsal hump which is the bump on top of the nose. It can lift up a tip a little bit if you have a saggy tip. It does not make a nose smaller. It doesn't fundamentally change the structure, but it can make small changes. It can be done in the office. It takes 15 minutes. It lasts maybe 18 to 24 months. So for somebody who wants a little bit of an adjustment, but doesn't want to commit to a full surgery or doesn't need a full surgery, it's actually a terrific option. Yeah, and I remember the last time I got it done, 
you looked at me and you're like, Veronica, if you do want it to look any more different, like this is what it's going to look like, like after you did the injectable, you're going to have to consider like, you know, a procedure right. if like you do want it to be smaller or anything like that. And I was like, you know what? No, I like, I, I love what you're doing. And you know, if it does get to a point where like, I do want it to look massively different then then we'll go ahead and do that. But I think it's cool that like you told me, okay, I don't want to like make you keep doing this. Like if this is something that like, isn't going to give the results that you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, have a question about this while we're on the topic. But somebody asked, some doctors are against doing liquid rhinoplasties due to the risks, like example, blindness, migration. What are your thoughts on that? Liquid rhinoplasty is an advanced filler technique. This is not something that you should be doing with somebody who's just starting out doing fillers. It's not something you should be doing with somebody who's inexperienced. Filler always carries the risk of vascular occlusion, which means um, a stoppage in the blood supply, because if the product gets into any of your blood vessels anywhere in your face, not just in your nose, it can kill the skin, and that's a real risk. Because liquid rhinoplasty is an advanced technique, you need to go to somebody who, one, is an expert, and two, has done a lot. There are always going to be risks, but in the hands of somebody who knows the anatomy and has a lot of experience with it, the risks are reasonable. Blindness is extremely, extremely rare, like case report rare, like handful of times rare. Wow. Liquid rhinoplasty doesn't ha- carry a huge risk of blindness. Of course, there's always going to be a you know the one-off somewhere in the world, but that's not something that keeps me up at night because it's just really, really, really uncommon. Filler migration can happen. I haven't seen it that often in the nose really probably ever. But the other thing to know about filler and anything you do with filler is that there is an enzyme that dissolves filler. So if you ever do something with filler that you don't end up liking or it doesn't end up looking the way you thought it was going to look, and this is not just in the nose, it's all over your face, you can dissolve it instantly with an enzyme called Hylanex. And we anybody who does any significant amount of injectables keeps a large supply of Hylanex, one, for medical emergencies, and two, if somebody doesn't like what they do. We don't use it very often, but it's good to know that it's there. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of just assuring because it's like, okay, if I don't like the results that I get, like maybe I didn't like wait on this long enough, maybe I didn't think about it long enough, I can always reverse it. Yeah. But I guess that leads me to another question for you. This isn't from, you know, my audience or anything. (laughs) It's from me. (laughs) I feel like I always have so many questions. So I started getting like Botox, like preventative Botox at 24, I would say. What age do you recommend people to start getting that if they're looking for the anti-aging effects? And what age do you think is like too young? Like I feel like I've been seeing so many women, like young women getting Botox and filler at like, uh, like something that I wouldn't even be thinking about at that time, but you know, to each their own, like it's, it makes you feel more confident. Sure. But is there like a medical age that you think would be like, prime time. You know, you you ought to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> for one, I haven't injected anyone younger than 20, and typically for in the in the 20s it's usually lip filler is the procedure that's the most popular. I feel like that's gotten so popular so recently. Popular for sure. As far as Botox goes, you know, Botox has both a treatment and a preventative effect. The treatment effect is that it makes wrinkles appear less wrinkly. The preventative effect is that because it's a neuromuscular blocker, meaning that it tells the nerve to tell the muscle to stop contracting, and remember that the muscles in the upper half of your face, when they contract, that's what makes those wrinkles. So your frontalis muscle on your forehead, when you raise your eyebrows, it wrinkles up your forehead like a piece of paper. 
When you stop that muscle from moving, you stop those lines from forming, which has the treatment effect. The preventative effect is that for any period of time that you're not making that face, you're not making those lines worse. You're not making them deeper. So I typically tell people that you might want to think about starting Botox when you can see the lines when you're not making a face. So it's not exactly an age because every woman is going to be different based on her genetics, her skin tone, how much sun damage she has. But when you can see the lines, fine lines, when you're not making a face, that's probably a reasonable time to start doing a bit of preventative or treatment Botox. The only difference between them as far as the treatment goes is that preventative Botox tends to be a slightly lower dose. So if I'm treating a woman in her 20s, her units are going to be somewhere in the 20s. If I'm treating a woman who's 40, she's probably going to get 40 units to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And... I think it's like super cool how, you know, whenever I lift my eyebrows now, you know, it doesn't move. There's not much movement. I'm like, that's great. You know, because I remember it was very, very like thin lines. Like I'm 25 now, about to turn 26. So I haven't had like many wrinkles develop. And I think a part of that is from getting preventative Botox. Yeah. But when you don't like move those muscles, like you're not making those creases form. And I think a lot of people have a misconception with Botox. Like I think people get Botox and filler confused. I had a friend recently that was like, oh my gosh, it doesn't even look like you got Botox. Like it doesn't look bigger. And I'm like, oh, like that's not what happens. It's, that's not the science behind it. But if you would want to explain more in depth, like the difference. Yeah. So Botox is typically used in the upper half of the face as a general rule. And filler is typically used in the lower half of the face. And the reason for that is that Botox is a neuromuscular blocker. So you're going to use that to treat dynamic wrinkles, meaning wrinkles that form because you're moving a particular muscle. So most of the use of Botox is in the forehead, the area between the eyebrows, which is called the glabella, and the crow's feet, which is around your eyes. Those wrinkles are all caused by muscle movement, so those are best treated with Botox. Also the chin, if you get um, pebble chin, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone that has like a really dimply wrinkly chin. (laughs) It doesn't usually happen to young women, but for older women, that can also be treated with Botox. Filler is a volumizing agent. It's a gel. It's made out of hyaluronic acid typically, which is a sugar molecule that's naturally made by your body. But the kind that we use in filler is artificial. It's made in a lab. Because it's made out of a sugar molecule, people don't generally react to it because one common question that we get is, Um, And can I reject this? And the answer is typically not because hyaluronic acid is the same substance that's found in your joints and found in the rest of your body. So it's formulated into a gel and the gel comes in different thicknesses. And that's what determines where in the face you put it. So the thickest version of the product, you're going to put down on the bone to give a lifting effect. So you might put that in the cheek, you might put that in the chin and the jawline. The thinnest version of the product you're going to use for volumizing where you want to keep softness. So that's going to be in the lips and the tear troughs. There's a bunch of different product lines out there. The high hyal- the hyaluronic acid products, to be very honest, are pretty much the same. It's just different yeah. brand name. <laughs> but all the brands have uh, different thicknesses of products that are used in different parts of the face. Yeah. I know that you have two different types of lip filler that mm-hmm. you do here. Yep. Would you want to explain the difference between the two? Yeah, and what for they sure. Are? So the, the product line that we use in my office is the Juvederm line. So we use either Volbella or Velour for the lip. Volbella is the thinnest, softest filler on the market. And that's going to be for someone that wants a really natural, just a little bit of volume. Maybe you have some asymmetry in your lip. Maybe you have a top lip that's smaller than the bottom or it's thin and you want a little more height. Volbella is great for that. It's super soft, looks very natural. 
Velour is the medium thickness product. So that's gonna give you a little more plump. That's gonna be for the woman that wants more fullness in the lip. For the same amount of product, one milliliter of product, you're gonna get more of a plump with Velour than you do with Volbella. In general, my patients who are on the older side tend to prefer Volbella because they want something that's really natural and that maybe not everyone is gonna notice. My younger women in their 20s who are coming in for lip filler tend to prefer Velour. because. That's what I got. <laughs> like me guilty <laughs> because they just they want more bang for that one you know for that yeah, one yeah. and to be honest on a on a 25 year old face velour is beautiful it looks full and plump and a young woman is supposed to have you know a, a nice full plump lip and so it doesn't look out of place on a 25 year old's face right whereas i do think if you try to put a product that's medium thickness thickness or more plumping in a face that's older, it's going to look more unnatural. Right. Ultimately, it's a woman's choice, but I'm going to share that with you when you come in. I'm going to tell you my recommendation, and then I'm going to let you choose which one makes sense for you. Yeah. You know what a service I started getting recently that I really enjoy? And also, I think it's so important for people that are in social media or you know, are kind of giving off this appearance online and like have an audience and they're growing with them. I think it's kind of important to address. I don't think it is necessary for everybody. You know, it's a personal matter and not everybody has to talk about it. But for me, I find it so important for me to talk about what I'm getting done. And only because if people see this like massive difference, like, you know, in my features, I don't want it to look unrealistic. I want people to know what I'm doing and be educated about it. And then hear from people like you on the podcast so that they can learn more about it instead of just thinking, oh, you know, I compare myself to people on social media all the time. I think it's so human. It's so natural. And I think it's important to realize, you know, oh, maybe they have gotten something done or maybe they have had a beauty enhancement. But (laughs) on that note, I did get masseter Botox. Oh, yeah. Like very recently. And I'm obsessed with the results. (laughs) I had a friend get it and she was like, oh, my gosh, Veronica, you should really try it. It's like so great. I've loved it. And it's great for whenever I grind my teeth at night. But... It's also great for sculpting the jawline. Yeah. Has that become more popular recently? Yeah. Or is that something you've done for a while? For a while, yeah. So masseter Botox, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, Botox injections into the large muscle that sits on the side of your face in front of your ears that clamps down on your jaw. And for people that grind their teeth or who get like TMJ pain or clicking in their te- in their jaw, Botox in that area basically weakens that muscle and it makes the grinding better and it makes the clicking better and it makes the headaches better. So it does have a huge functional component to it. What you're discussing is that when you weaken that side muscle, especially for people who have really strong masseters or jaw muscles, it ends up giving you a slight slimming effect of the lower face, which looks really pretty. So it does, it has both a functional and cosmetic effect. It's really, it's a good treatment. And I've had a lot of people ask me about like my jawline too. They'll be like, oh, you know, you kind of got snatched and I'm very honest about it. You know, I do exercise and I think that definitely contributes, but at the same time, like I did get Botox in my jawline. So that probably makes a massive difference. But I think it's like really cool how Botox can have like different effects as well. It's not just like beauty enhancement. It's, you know, way of life. It really does. And Botox has both cosmetic and functional uses. Even from a medical perspective, it can be used for migraines, which sometimes people will come in and say, well, I have migraines. Can you do my Botox for migraines? (laughs) And the thing I want to mention about that is that in order to get Botox for migraines, you have to have failed 
two oral therapies. You have to be under the care of a neurologist that has treated you with two different oral therapies, which have failed. And then your insurance may potentially cover uh, Botox for migraines. Botox for migraines is very, very different than cosmetic Botox. It's 100 units, which is more than twice the standard cosmetic dose. It requires treatment not only in your forehead and in your side, the sides of your face, but all across the top of your scalp, in your neck muscles, oh my and gosh, the back of your head. So in general, the two are not really interchangeable. <laughs> very different. Yeah. People always ask, like, or they'll comment on a video that I post from DC Plastic Surgery Boutique, and they'll give advice to people saying, oh, like, if you get approval from your dentist, they'll cover it by insurance. And (laughs) clearly they don't know exactly how the walkthrough works. But the insurance companies aren't, they're not um, foolish. They're not prioritizing (laughs) that either, I bet. They have have roadblocks in place for that kind of thing. I did want to comment on something that you said earlier about being transparent about the treatments that you get, which I think is just unbelievably important and valuable. I think one of the places that social media has really failed us, not just with cosmetic treatments, but also with filters and everything you can change with the click of a button. Oh my gosh, the filters. It's awful. It's awful. It has created incredibly unrealistic beauty ideals. And beauty ideals, look, they change with generations. Beauty ideals of the 1950s are different than what they were in the 90s, are different than what they are now. The major difference now that I think is a huge problem is that beauty ideals in the past took genetically gifted people and put them on a screen. Beauty ideals now take regular people, alter them digitally, and then make other people think that they can achieve those results non-digitally. That is such a, a good point. Huge problem. People will come in all the time asking for things that they see on Instagram or on TikTok that are not the person posting that picture doesn't even look like that. Right, right. But there's no way I can make you look like that. Person doesn't look like that. You Have know? you ever had somebody come in and be like, take a picture of themselves with the filter and say, "I want it to look like this"? It used to happen much more than it does now. It used to happen. It used that's to happen. So, that's so bit, sad. Quite a bit. I can't believe Instagram did that. To I us. know. It's so rude. It's so bad. It's, so, <laughs> it's so bad. On the other hand, I think that the pendulum is starting to swing the other way. I think that there was a generation, probably between you and me that was really affected and hurt by social media and the filters and the, you know, the generation that came up not fully understanding that these are filters and this is not reality. I think that there's been a pushback now and there's these new social media platforms like Be Real, you know, which which are, I think, trying to push back against it from a generation that saw the detrimental effects and is coming up a little bit more educated about it. I love that. It's so true. I feel like Be Real is a really good platform because it kind of just shows what people are actually doing. It's not this glamorized version of their lives. Right. It's not just the highlight highlight reel. It's, you know, I'm in bed watching a movie or I'm working, you know? It's like, I feel like we, again, compare ourselves so often to people on social media, but I feel like platforms like that are really like, you know, driving a difference. And I guess that also leads me to another like point in question. I feel like a lot of celebrities kind of base our beauty standards and they kind of give the foundation for it. So like Kim Kardashian, for example. Oh, yeah. I remember like the whole hourglass thing was like really in style. Everybody was like, oh, you know, I need big boobs, big butt. And now she's kind of 
deflating this. Yeah, she's deflating. And she's kind of like giving off the whole like 90s anorexic vibe yeah. now. Oh, so it's I've so seen a lot of fitness instructors, dietitians talk about this more in depth and kind of alerting people and like alarming people about what can happen in the next couple of years because of the celebrity setting the tone. Do you feel like that's going it's to make so a transition dangerous. into plastic surgery too? It, it always does. It always does. And it's, it is really hard to be in this space and watch women so influenced by an incredibly temporary beauty ideal. Yeah. Because I, you know, from, from my perspective, I'm looking at this unrealistic, unattainable body that she's, Kim Kardashian's presenting to the world, which also she doesn't cop to any of the stuff she's had done, which I think is like the most dangerous part about it. A lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. I know. Which is fine. Like, you know, we're not telling them how to live their lives, but I do think it does portray this unrealistic beauty standard. Yeah, and I think when you lie about it, you're, it's damaging to the generation that's watching it, you know? Right. So it's really hard to watch these body, you know, your body's not a trend. You know, your body is your body. And this yeah. comes back to the point I was making earlier about what we do here. And, you know, part of being for women by women means that we just want you to be the best version of yourself. Like yeah. we do not want you to aim for a beauty ideal that you saw on another person's body. We want to just bring out the best version of you. And we want you to be as confident as you can be and as comfortable as you can be in this body that you own. And all kinds of bodies are beautiful, right? And I mean, I truly believe that. The trend that Kim Kardashian is promoting now, and you know, I, I don't treat her. I'm not her treating physician. I don't know for sure. I'm guessing she's on Ozempic or some kind of weight loss drug because- that oh, that's really popular right now. Yeah. I've seen a lot of fitness instructors talk about it and how their clients have came up to them and asked them about it. Yeah. And they're like really upset and so it's frantic. You know, it's interesting. My father-in-law has been on Ozempic for about a year for diabetes. Right. That's and, what it's meant for. Right. And he lost about 40 pounds. Not intentionally. It's just because he was on this medication that has controlled his diabetes very well. And we watched him lose all this weight. And this is before it became a trend. And then my my husband's a gastroenterologist and he was telling me that the company is now, the company that makes Ozempic is now marketing it as Wagovi, which is the same drug repackaged as a weight loss drug. So now it's going to be sold for a much higher cost as a weight loss drug. But I mean, I don't know. Those things always make me nervous because anytime you're relying on something so artificial and unintentional for weight loss, there's going to be a bunch of consequences that you did not anticipate. Like messing with your blood sugar regulation when you're not diabetic, you know, from a, from a medical perspective, doesn't seem wise. No, no. It's really crazy. And it's really disheartening to see that people are using that to obviously not reap the benefits that somebody with diabetes would need that for. You know, it's it's really upsetting. And I feel like we could have like a whole other conversation whole on other that. Conversation. But I do know a celebrity that you love. Who's that? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, I'm such a Swifty. I was watching I'm all of your stories whenever you were like waiting for the tickets and you got it for your whole family. Relatable. <laughs> so is your whole, like your daughters, yes, like okay. they're all fans all right, too. Right. So here, what about your husband? Is he going? <laughs> Here's the story behind the Taylor Swift tickets. I have six tickets in Philadelphia on the field for Taylor Swift. Okay. But here's what happened. I am a huge Swifty, as are my seven and 10-year-old daughters. We, like, lyrically could sing almost every song she's I love all, all three of us. So when we heard she was touring, and I had told them before she announced her tour that when she goes on tour again, we're going. And I'm like, we're going if it's in D.C. We're going no matter where it is, we're going. 
So then she announces her tour, and then we heard about this verified fan, where if you registered as a verified fan, you had you got put in a lottery, and you could get a code that said you could buy tickets early. So I registered, my husband registered, my brother registered, my sister-in-law registered. It's like getting into preschool. The whole family is involved. I love it. For sure. I should have had my parents do it too. So my husband at 2 a.m., the night that the codes went out, gets a text on his phone and he got a code. My husband got a code. My husband's not even Taylor Swift. (laughs) My husband gets a code for Taylor Swift. And so he wakes me up at 2 a.m. And I am telling you, I could not sleep for the rest of the night because I was so excited about this. Oh, my goodness. So then I get online at 10 a.m. the next day. I'm done with one surgery. I'm getting ready to go into the next surgery. Get online at 10 a.m. I'm like, you know, and then I see that I'm in a queue behind 2,000 people. And I have another surgery starting in like 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep the window open and go do my surgery. So I go do my surgery. I come back out. It's like three hours later. I'm still in the queue. I'm like, oh, my God. This is insane. Finally, five hours later, I got out of the queue and I was able to select my tickets. And now we have six tickets to Taylor So it's me, my two daughters, my brother, who's also a Swifty. Oh, I love that. I and, love that. And his two daughters. <laughs> that is incredible. I'm a huge Swifty. Oh my gosh. And weren't they going for like $10,000 each? Okay, yeah. So I, I did not buy them for $10,000. <laughs> I bought them for face value. And then the next day they were on StubHub, our exact seats for $10,000 each. So my brother calls me. And he's like, hey, should we sell these tickets? And I'm like, no, like, I don't need any more money. I need Taylor Swift to sweat on me. Like, <laughs> I need to be in there. Oh, my god! Like, I'm a super fan. I'm a true super fan. I love that. And speaking of you just, like, going in and out of surgeries, I know that you have one, like, literally right after this. Yes, I do. Um, which, thank you so much for coming on. Like, I feel like there's still so much for us to talk about. You'll have to come back on again. I've literally said that to everyone who's been on this. But seriously, Uh, like you just have so much knowledge in this space, obviously, and your accolades speak for it. And, you know, you're just like a fun person in general. Like, I feel like next time, like I'll have to have like an actual martini. (laughs) We'll just have to have like girl chat. That's what this needs. Martinis. Yes. Martinis. (laughs) And bikinis. Yes, exactly. But I'll host host you at my pool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's do it. I'm so down. I feel like there's so much more to unwrap. Like, just like your routines, like being a mom. Like, I just like want to know all about Dr. Cole Carney, <laughs> like outside of the doctor's office. The best piece of advice that I ever got about social media is to be the same person online that you are in real life. And I think that in, in the culture we live in now, where Instagram is this like incredibly curated feed with really <laughs> filtered and unrealistic photos, I think that that piece of advice is really valuable. And if I could give my daughters and the next generation a piece of a social media advice, it would be to be the same person in real life that you are on social media. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, I would love for you to tell the audience about how they can find you and how they can stay in touch and follow along with everything you're doing because you are so fun on social media, especially reels. You have to watch your reels, but so educational too. Like, I feel like I've learned so much just by following you. So if you want to share how they can stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. So on Instagram, we're at DC Plastic Surgery Boutique. And my nurse injector, Nurse Liz, is at boutique.injector. And we're we're both on there. I On DC Plastic Surgery Boutique, we do a ton of surgery footage. We do behind the scenes. We do educational videos. And one of the things that I really love about social media for, for medicine and for surgery is that it's really allowed us to just pull back the curtain. Before you come into my office to see me as a patient, you 
already kind of know me. Like, you know, you've, if you've watched stories, you know what I do in my daily life. If you've watched the feed, you know what my before and afters look like. You know what my style is. You know, you know, what a breast augmentation in my hands might get you. And I think that that's super valuable. And the transparency of social media has been really incredible for the field of plastic surgery because it's just, it's not behind closed doors anymore. You know, it's just completely out there. And from an education standpoint, I think it's fantastic. Yes, I agree. So you guys better go follow and just stay in touch and see all the amazing things that they're doing and all of the women that they're empowering and just inspiring confidence within. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Huge, huge, huge discount alert. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I have a massive surprise for you. Dr. Kulkarni and Nurse Liz are offering our Martinis and Bikinis listeners $100 off a syringe of Botox or filler. This is an amazing deal and a great opportunity for you to experience the magic of DC Plastic Surgery Boutique. I highly recommend going in for a consultation, especially if this is something you've been thinking about or are looking to get done for the new year. This offer will not last very long, so make sure to take advantage by emailing their office administrator, Wendy, at wendy at dcplasticsurgeryboutique.com. That's wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, at dcplasticsurgeryboutique.com. And make sure to mention Martinis and Bikinis podcast. You can also give them a call at 202-335-4700 to book your consultation and receive the discount by mentioning Martinis and Bikinis pod. Nurse Liz is an actual angel and so, so experienced in the medical field. This promo is for her services and her services only. Again, make sure to call them at 202-335-4700 or email Wendy at Wendy, that's W-E-N-D-Y, Wendy at dcplasticsurgeryboutique.com and mention Martinis and Bikinis Pod for $100 off a syringe of Botox or filler. 